Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Bakersfield 3 is proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network. There's no way two friends just go missing within a month of each other. Somehow, someway, I know they're connected. It's a haunting mystery, one that seems to grow more complex than dark. The disappearance of Micah Holsenbeck and Bailey Desbach. And in between those two disappearances, a murder in a Bakersfield neighborhood where crime is rather rare. Is it three mysteries or one? These three people knew each other and they're all either, at this point, dead or missing. There's something big about, about what's going on. There's something, something crazy about this case. I gotta find her to hold her one last time, even if it is just her bones. We're just trying to find out where they are. Just somebody tell me where they are and we will go get them. I'll, I will go dig, I will go dig and I will find them. Working in Bakersfield as a local news reporter was a unique time in my life. I had a hunger and drive I don't think could ever be replicated. I was a 20-something making no money, working often obscenely long hours, completely by choice, eating almost strictly microwave meals and fast food, and spending way too much time making sure my fake eyelashes and hair were just right. I look back on the days where I'd wear heels and a dress while knocking on doors in a rough neighborhood in over 100-degree heat, desperate to find someone who'd give me a soundbite describing hearing gunshots, which, by the way, is almost always the same. I thought it was fireworks at first. And every time I'd get the soundbite, it was an accomplishment for maybe all of five minutes until the next breaking news event happened. And I loved every second of it. I lived and breathed it and felt a sometimes maddening need to be first, which is kind of the name of the game in local news, trying to break the big story, meaning you're the first reporter to uncover the information. When I first started, I envisioned myself going to a local bar after work where there'd be a group of deputies having beers. They'd welcome me to join them and I'd end up leaving every night with a big scoop. But that never happened, not even close. I quickly learned that usually, if there's a significant event, like a homicide or armed robbery, all of us reporters hear about it at the same time through the police scanners we have blaring in the newsrooms 24-7. We then all race out to the scene, elbowing each other, trying to get as close to the yellow tape as possible. My old news director, Mike Trihe, used to say, you make your own luck. So we'd persist with the ritual of digging, coming up empty, and trying again another day. A built-in part of that routine for me at 17 News was to go to the courthouse once a week and look through search warrants. 
Doing this probably hundreds of times, I can only think of a few instances when I found a search warrant that was, to put it simply, anything good, anything we'd put on the news. 99% of the time, any search warrants pertaining to a case the media would report on are sealed by law enforcement. It's rare that one slips through the cracks and you're lucky enough to find it. Despite all this, something kept bringing me back to court to look through them, still having that glimmer of hope that one day I would find something big. That day came in early summer of 2018, though just how big, no one could have known then. I'm Olivia LaVoice, and this is The Bakersfield Three. Going through my stack that day, I started thumbing through a warrant that was for a crime that on the surface seemed pretty dull, an investigation into a felon being in possession of a firearm. There's nothing newsworthy about a felon having a gun when they're not supposed to. It happens all the time. It's illegal, yes, but not significant enough to report on. This warrant, though, was different because of one little sentence that mentioned a missing woman, who I'd later learned was named Bailey Despot. It then went on to describe a man named Arturo coming home while his wife was out of town and finding something odd. Here's Arturo to explain. I see bags in my front door. And I was like, wow, is my wife home? She's supposed to be home like the next day. And I said, well, maybe she's surprising me. That's what I thought. But uh, the closer I got to the door, I noticed that that was not her luggage. And I was like, okay, that's weird. And I I looked down and there was a note. And it said, uh, tell Bailey that I love her, but I cannot be with her. Arturo knew Bailey as a friend of his son's from high school. He recalled his son recently telling him that no one had heard from Bailey for several months. It kind of stung me a little bit. I was like, well, she's missing. Why is her back here? So I called him and I go, son, I go, is Bailey here? And he was like, what? And he goes, no, she's not here. I go, son, her bags are right in the front. He goes, what are her bags doing? I said, I do not know. He goes, well, let me call her mom and find out. Soon after, Bailey's mother, Jane, showed up. And uh, I had never met her. And uh, we're talking. She goes, yeah, this is her stuff. So she started going through her bags and... And poor lady, she was so emotional. Like, this is what I gave her for her birthday. This is what I gave her last year. And I mean, she was just crying. I was just like overwhelmed. And she's like, well, who dropped them off? And I said, I don't know. So we went through my cameras. And finally, I found the footage of who dropped them off. I'm like, oh, my God, that's Matt Queen. And he's got a gun. Bailey's mother, Jane, recognized the man, Matt Queen, as the guy she refuses to call her daughter's boyfriend, But it seems for all intents and purposes, he was. And here he was, about a month after Bailey vanished, dropping off her things at a friend's home that really seemed like a random choice. And when he dropped her belongings off, as shown in the surveillance video, he was armed. The gentleman, he pulled up to the door, and 
of course, nobody was here. We're all at work. So he puts the bags down. Then he goes back to his suburban. And then he comes back. He gets the letter. And he sits it on the back. But when he bends over to set the letter down, his sweater picks up and he had a gun on his back. And me and Gene was like, wow, like, we're just stung. Like, how about if one of us was to be home? Like, what would the outcome would have been? I don't know. Jane called the police immediately. After seeing the video for themselves, investigators went to Matt Queen's house to speak with him, where they found a loaded gun, which legally as a felon, he can't have. Queen wasn't in jail for long, just a few days before he made bail. But this warrant described how after his arrest, he called his wife from jail. Yes, as I'd later find out, Queen had his wife and Bailey living with him under the same roof. We'll get more into that later. When Queen called his wife after his arrest that day, he told her to come get some things from his car before the cops could. Behind the driver's seat is a backpack, gray and black. Is it there? Yeah. Okay, take that in the house. In that backpack is all the letters and everything. It's all the evidence that fucking she left on the, you know what I mean, that James and Lion shit. It's all, it's all the stuff that she wrote about her mom. That's why I left you the phone, too. The Snapchat is still on that phone. You don't have to access it. No, it's just you open it. In that Snapchat, it's all kinds of, like, evidence to show that Jane is a fucking lying, manipulative, crazy person. It appeared Queen was telling his wife in the backpack there was evidence that, quote, she left, she being Bailey. He referenced letters and a phone with a Snapchat account that would show Bailey's mom, Jane, acting crazy. It seems at that point, Queen sensed detectives were looking at him for Bailey's disappearance, and he blamed Jane for that. In addition to the letters and phone, Queen also asks his wife to see if his tools are there. Yeah, your tools are still here. Okay. Danny has to take those to the job right away. All right, I gotta go get them. Yeah, go get them right now, because, you know... They listen to everything I say right now. Careful. I love you. All right. Bye. Queen told his wife to go get his brother and have him take the, quote, tools in his car to the dump right away. It sounded suspicious, of course. So according to the search warrant I'd found, detectives wanted to search Queen's home, vehicles, and phone for evidence that he could be involved in the manufacturing of illegal firearms. It seemed pretty obvious to me that, sure, maybe if police discovered evidence of that, it'd be a bonus. But what they were really after was evidence pertaining to the missing woman he'd been living with, Bailey. I thought looking at him for illegal guns was just their way in. And having this warrant was my way into the story. I remember when I first saw Bailey's photo. She's striking, tall, slender, with long dark hair and big green eyes. There was something classic and effortless about her beauty. She stood out. But as I looked at photos of her on Matt Queen's Facebook page, what stood out even more was Queen's extensive, bizarre, and somewhat fascinating social media presence. He had numerous posts about looking for Bailey that included missing flyers he'd made himself that said he last saw her getting into a black SUV with a heavyset man. But what really caught my eye were screenshot text messages he posted between himself and Bailey's mother, Jane. 
One screenshot showed Queen sent this text to Jane. At first, I thought you were simply an overprotective mother, and I respected that. But it is now clear that Bailey was right all along. You have a mental disorder. Yes, Jane, I'm twice her age. Get over it. Find something else wrong with me. You're obsessed with Bailey, and it's not healthy. I'm in love with her, and if I'm not mistaken, she's in love with me. Keep trying to drive a wedge between us. It's only weakening the strength in yours. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. As someone who hears about crime day in and day out for a living, I try to find a balance between being aware of the terrible things that can happen to people, especially women, while also not trying to let those thoughts take up too much space in my head. I strive to be conscious of safety without being fearful. And what really helps me strike that balance is having a home security system. When I turn my Simply Safe alarm on before bed, I just sleep better, and that alone makes it worth it to me. Your home is where you should feel the safest, and having that sense of security is really nice, especially when you're binging true crime all the time, like I know a lot of you listening probably are. Some great things about Simply Safe is it's really easy to set up. There's 24-7 customer service, there's no contracts, and there's a 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of my listeners peace of mind, and you deserve that too. Right now you can get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/bakersfield. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Naturally, I had to hear what Jane had to say about all this. You wanted to interview me, and I was very hesitant. I remember, and you're like, well, I think the best thing is to get it out there. And I'm like, yeah, but they're telling me I can't do that. It might scare off the bad people or something. Jane was in a tough spot. At this time, a little over a month after her daughter's disappearance, detectives had told her to stay away from media, which, by the way, almost never makes sense in missing persons cases. How can someone be found if no one even knows they're missing? Being told to avoid the news, but desperate to get the word out, Jane had taken to hanging literally thousands of flyers around town. That first phone call, she was pretty disappointed to know that none of the flyers had caught my attention, apparently. As I explained, I hadn't heard of her daughter's case until finding the search warrant that day. If you haven't heard of Bailey's case, asked Jane, have you heard of Micah Holsenbake's case? I told her I hadn't. Well, he went missing a month before Bailey did, and the two of them were friends, Jane said. Now this sounded a bit more complex than I initially thought this case was going to be. Even more so when Jane explained how the connection between Micah and Bailey was made in the first place. I found out that after Micah Holsenbake went missing in late March, Micah's brother immediately started his own investigation of sorts. Someone he spoke with said he should try to track down a couple of people who might have information, including a young woman. Bailey Parent? That's weird. That doesn't sound like anybody we know. 
That's Micah's mom, Cheryl. The name Bailey Parent didn't mean anything to them then. But a few weeks later, Cheryl and her husband Lance were out in Bakersfield looking for Micah. Sometimes they would drive around aimlessly when they'd ran out of people to talk to. That day, Cheryl and Lance spotted a missing flyer for a young woman. How horrible her family is going through what we're going through, they thought. Then they noticed the name Bailey. Only the last name listed was different. It was Despot. The Bailey they were told knew Micah was Bailey Parent. But something in Micah's dad, call it fatherly instinct, told him to do a little digging. The flyers had clearly been made by the missing woman's mother, Jane. But he looks her up on Facebook and he's like, Jane's last name is Parent. That's Bailey Parent. Oh. My God. And there it was, the name Micah's brother had been given shortly after Micah went missing. The initial disconnect was Bailey and Jane having different last names, but there was no mistaking it. This was the same Bailey. She supposedly knew something, is what we had been told. You better talk to Bailey Parent. Now knowing she too had gone missing, Cheryl says Lance had a horribly grim theory. He said, Mike is dead and she knew too much. Regardless of if the hunch was right, they knew there was something going on here. We had no proof of anything. We just knew they were gone. Cheryl and Lance hadn't been getting far with detectives and were determined to get answers themselves. So they reached out to Bailey's mom, Jane. I was very leery. I didn't trust anybody. I didn't know who to trust. I didn't trust them in the beginning. They probably didn't trust me, but we had two things in common. Our kids knew each other and they were missing. Jane met with Cheryl and her husband at a restaurant where over pie and iced tea that sat untouched, they discussed the horrifying possibilities of what could have happened to their children. They compared notes and commiserated over the difficulty of getting detectives to take them seriously. After Jane told me all of this on that first phone call, the questions were endless. So I put together a short and simple story with the little I knew. It focused primarily on Bailey being missing and mentioned the possibility of a connection between her and Micah's cases. After it aired, social media immediately lit up with theories, the most popular being that Micah and Bailey were lovers that ran off to Mexico to be together. Among the comments, I remember seeing one from Lance, Micah's dad. It said something along the lines of the connection between the two should definitely be investigated and referred to Micah and Bailey as acquaintances. I noticed someone responded to that comment, a girl named Sarah. Her response read, I was a good friend of Bailey's and Micah was around a lot. We knew him more than just as an acquaintance. Also, I believed they are linked as well. I clicked on Sarah's profile. She had a few posts about Bailey's disappearance. One read, You are a good friend, Bailey. I know you're just hiding out somewhere, I bet. You're a smart girl, and I miss you. And so does Queen. I love you, Bay. I couldn't tell you how or why her and Bailey started hanging out, but they did. That's Maddie, one of Bailey's closest friends. She says Sarah went to high school with them, but Bailey and Sarah didn't connect until after graduation. And they seemed to get close very fast. The wildness about them is very much the same. And that is what drew them so close together. Sarah and Bailey both loved a thrill. Both acted like they didn't care much about what other people thought. And I noticed they both looked very similar, 
same body type, same fair complexion, with the same long, dark hair and green eyes. I know that Sarah was dating a different guy named Matt, and she's the one that introduced Bailey to Queen. So that's how all that happened. Sarah was dating a guy named Matt Vandecastiel, who was good friends with Matt Queen. So when Bailey coupled up with Matt Queen, it seemed like that dream scenario, friends dating another set of friends, getting to double date and hang out all the time. Both Matts were much older than their girlfriends. Matt Vandecastiel was 10 years older than Sarah and Bailey, and Matt Queen had lived twice the life they had with their 20-year age gap. Queen had a wife and family when Bailey and Sarah were in elementary school. Now the four of them were spending a lot of time together. And apparently, before he went missing, Michael Holsenbake was spending a lot of time with them too. When I got in touch with Micah's mom, Cheryl, she told me after Micah went missing, before she found out about Bailey and reached out to Jane, something strange happened. I get this phone call out of the blue. The gist of her conversation was, my son is James Cole's dad. James and Micah were friends. And James was killed. James Colstead was murdered about two weeks after Micah went missing and about two weeks before Bailey's disappearance. Here's James's mom, Diane, or Di, as we all call her. I'm reading on Facebook that Micah's missing. And I knew from conversations that James and I had that he had been hanging out with Micah. When Di saw Micah was missing so close to her son's murder, something didn't feel right, just something in my gut. So she contacted Cheryl, who, like Di, had been doing her own investigating. Cheryl and I talked a lot. We were talking every day on the phone. We were starting to do our research, you know, names, background checks on all different people, and just so many of the same names kept coming up. It was around this time that Cheryl and her husband discovered Bailey was missing. Suddenly, they found themselves looking at all three cases. They were connected somehow. We had gotten enough information that we, we knew they had shared friends. As it was relayed to me that Micah, James, and Bailey all knew each other, and their mothers were trying to figure out if the three were connected, I knew I had to get the three moms in a room together. We agreed to all meet at Di's home, James's mother. Di, a medical billing specialist, keeps her home and her appearance impeccable. Cheryl, Micah's mother, a college finance professor, dressed the part, simple. She'd let her hair start to gray and wore no makeup. Bailey's mother, Jane, a special education care specialist, dresses casual but colorful. Think jean overalls with a bright purple top and sunflower scarf tied in her hair. As the three of them sat down at Di's dining room table with me, I noticed how fragile they were. Trembling voices with what initially felt like a sense of apprehension. But the more we all spoke, I began to see a shift from anguish to a feeling of determination. I didn't want to stop that day. I think we talked for hours, didn't we? We talked a long time. I, I felt relief. I felt like somebody's finally listening who wants to hear more than Mike is missing. They wanted to hear 
what we thought was going on. Yeah, the backstory of why this happened to him. And the notebook after notebook after notebook that we had filled with, with information. I think we needed someone to give us that confidence that we could take this on. And I think you did give us that. Together, the three of them were emboldened and quickly adopted the motto, fight like a mother. We, we began leaning on each other early on. Because who else do you call? Yeah, and it was nice not to be walking that walk alone. We could call each other any time, day or night. Each of them brought a different skill set to the table. Jane Bailey's mom was the one hitting the streets. Well, I was the flyer girl. I'm like, let me get out and do it, because if I'm not out there searching or doing something, I'm like, it's my sanity keeper. She hung up thousands of missing flyers for Bailey and missing flyers for Micah and eventually a poster for all three of the cases that read, The Bakersfield Three. Can you connect the dots for three friends? When it comes to connecting the dots, Cheryl, Micah's mom, was taking all the bits of information on the cases and all the people that Micah, James, and Bailey had in common and organizing it. My career um, was in research and data collection, and so I knew how to take uh, anecdotal evidence, and I knew how to prioritize it and put it in a nice spreadsheet and make sure we passed it off to the right people, and I knew how to look for information. And James's mom, Di? I'm the one that will make the calls and set up the appointments. Yes, very much our schedule keeper. They recognized immediately they were a powerful team. If we were by ourselves, you can't hold it together long enough to do it. In this, in our situations, none of us could have held it together and done all of those. Yeah, the detective work we did, yeah. the Google Earthing, and, and the calling, and the looking people up, and we learned how to look and track people down, and interviewing people till two in the morning on the phone, taking notes with a crayon when you can't find a pen, and convincing <laughs> the local people to put us on their schedule and, and meet with us. And talk to us. Yeah. I remember the first time they showed up to my news station with a binder of timelines and spreadsheets and even a color-coordinated diagram of people who were in the circle of friends with Micah, James, and Bailey, complete with the individual's photos. I couldn't believe how much information they'd gathered themselves and how quickly they'd done it. Frankly, it was almost a bit overwhelming as they mapped out a plethora of different crimes they believed this web of people might be involved in, ranging from mail theft to drug dealing to sex trafficking. And it was all apparently happening in an area of town I didn't normally report on. Very nice schools, nice neighborhoods, well, you know, large homes, people... They talk about, oh, well, I live in this part of town, so that kind of stuff doesn't happen here. Oh, yes, it does, and maybe two doors down. You have no idea. It was a lot to untangle. The first, most pressing issue was understanding the ties between Micah, James, and Bailey. Yes, they knew each other and had many people in common, but what was really going on with this group of people? And were the cases really all connected? It's one of the few times in my career where I've kind of almost been warned, hey, you don't want to dig too deep on this one. That's next time on the Bakersfield Three.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.